we all should be focusing now is to stop the war. Very simple message. And we, we, we must cry it. We must cry our message to everyone that has a heart uh, uh, that can listen. Let me ask you, Maurice, uh, there are people, uh, Israeli families in front of uh, the Israeli military headquarters in Tel Aviv, whose families have been taken hostage, either mother, father, daughter, son, um, and they are there saying the same thing. We often see them in the media describing the horror of what happened to their loved ones. But then the media doesn't go on to say what they're calling for. Um, what do you demand right now of uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu when you talk about ending the war? Again, I'm, I, I'm, uh, I'm calling and I'm, uh, and I'm crying not to Benjamin Netanyahu, not to uh, the leader of the Hamas, not to uh, President Biden. I'm crying for humanity, for the entire humanity. For the entire mankind, I'm crying to stop the war. I'm crying for immediate cease of fire, and I'm crying for hope. Hope that will take us from this cycle of blood to a new, a new and bright future. We must build hope. We must build a future, and this future must be based on equality, on partnership, on peace. And this is what I'm, 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 I'm crying for. And it's not to blame this or the other, this person or the other. They are irrelevant anymore. We must, uh, we must build a new, a new system. We want and to thank I, you, Maos, so much as the show ends. And our condolences again, Israeli peace activists speaking to us from Benyamina, Israel. I'm Amy Goodman. Thank you for joining us. You're listening to KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM and streaming online at kboo.fm. KBOO's annual fall membership drive is just getting started, and now's a great time to become a member of KBOO. Go to kboo.fm slash give or text KBOO to 44321 right now. Your donation will be matched dollar for dollar up to $14,000, thanks to the generous support of a group of anonymous donors. Join the KBOO family today and help us meet our $55,000 fall drive goal. All the cool kids are doing it. Tune in to Cubby Cushy, Cubby Cush, Tuesday nights on KBU. Two hours of global base with an emphasis on South Asia and the South Asian diaspora and an even more special emphasis on the Punjabi diaspora. Hosted every Tuesday, 10 to midnight by the incredible kid. This ain't world music, it's birth of a new world music. Hi, this is Walt Perizader with the group Chicago, and you're listening to KBOO FM. You're listening to KBOO Portland, 90.7 FM. The time is 8.02 a.m. Next up is Wednesday Talk Radio with Paul Rowland.
MSN, good morning. This is Wednesday Talk Radio. As I move my mic a little closer to me, excuse me, I'm Paul Rowland. Be with you for the hour. And that was Bob Dylan, Neighborhood Bully. We'll be talking about that and much, much, much more in a couple minutes with David Rovix, who's a Jewish-Palestine solidarity activist and singer-songwriter living in Portland. But before we go to David, very important... We are coming up in a few days on our last week of our fall membership drive of this year, 2023. And it's important that we finish strong because we are not near our goal yet. And we need to reach that goal of $55,000, I believe. And we need to do it by October 28th, which is not that far away. Yes, $55,000. And... uh, So yes, we need your support. This is listener-sponsored radio. You, our listeners, are our supporters. Much of our money, the vast majority of our money does come from you. And that's why we are not beholden to the corporations. We are not beholden to the government, although we do get a little bit of government funding, which we don't, uh, we do appreciate. We are beholden to the community, to ourselves, to our listeners, It's worked. 55 years strong we have gone on, and we are going to continue going, but only with your support. We have a a one-to-one match up to $14,000, courtesy of a group of donors. So uh, you can double your impact if you uh, go right away to kboo.fm slash give, kboo.fm slash give, or you can text KBO to 440. Three, two, one on your on your mobile communications device. Please do that now. Don't wait any longer. And uh, or you can mail it to uh, twenty Southeast Eighth Avenue, Portland, Oregon nine seven two four, the old-fashioned way. So that said, we are going to welcome. I am going to welcome David Rovix. Good morning, David. Good morning, Paul. So you have written. Uh, well, first of all, okay, uh, I just have to say, I, I, I was listening to uh, Joe Biden's words on, uh, uh, I have to say it now, it's not always this way, but uh, national propaganda radio, because they are just falling in line in a craven, disgusting way, along with almost yeah. every other media outlet, and, uh, and giving in to what amounts to uh, wartime censorship, and uh, supposedly we're not actually at war, but uh, I guess we are through our proxies, Israel. And he said that uh, mm-hmm. just one thing he said with that bombing that killed 500 more people uh, just uh, last night or this morning, uh, he said it, it was not uh, you speaking to, I guess, Netanyahu, whoever, whoever was in the room with the press conference, but uh, the other team, he said, which was really bizarre language yeah. and the whole the whole tone of his talk um someone said it was actually oh there's excellent coverage just na- just on democracy now the past hour for those of you who are continuing mm-hmm. to listen to the show after that really excellent coverage um someone basically said that he's been he he reads from the teleprompters uh, from what was written by the uh, Israeli uh, defense forces so uh, comment yeah. on that and let's get into the the neighborhood bully and more I mean, I'm not sure who who's writing his his teleprompter speeches, but it's like um, when he said uh, y- yesterday, you know, when he was trying to do his uh, supposedly, um, you know, authentic what he's supposedly well known for being uh, empathetic and and caring about uh, bereaved people, you know, that sort of thing, having his uh, his his own uh, history of of personal loss and um and he said um he said he um hopes for the speedy recovery of the wounded from israel's bombing of a hospital and killing of at least 500 people he says i hope the um for their speedy recovery and this is at a time as Gaza is continually still being con- constantly bombed, with people dying on the average, of, a child dying on the average of every five minutes. The continual bombardment. This is still going on. He has not called 
for a ceasefire, but he, under the bombardment, wishes for a speedy recovery for people that were already in the hospital with uh, horrible wounds from other bombing raids. And then they're lying under rubble. Some of them survived, and he hopes for their speedy recovery as their bones are crushed beneath the rubble. I mean, this this is a guy who's just completely out of touch with reality. Yeah, I mean, I, I would sort of feel sorry for him because he, he, he really seems so, I don't know, out of out of his out of his depth, you know, un, unable to rise, if anybody could, to these gruesome circumstances that that uh, we're in. Yeah. Not, not just uh, not just in the Middle East, but uh, obviously the grinding horrible war in Ukraine and uh, climate change. And I mean, the challenges are just uh, beyond belief. But he's certainly not not yeah. up to them, and it's uh, really sad. Anyway, so that's it's like what you say about being out of your depth. I mean, just just in terms of like, uh, I mean, I, I completely, obviously agree with the that, that the entire Western media, and I consume a lot of it, but the entire Western media um, is, uh, is is just falling uh, behind is uh, all the Israeli propaganda, and it's definitely, it's definitely happening. And it's I think has a lot to do with who's running the different outlets um, and not just uh, not more than who's actually uh, working for them as reporters but the reporters are uh, often just at a loss and I think quite understandably just at a complete loss for how to deal with these people they're interviewing who are you know facing a, a genocidal bombing campaign and they're you know asking them questions like uh, is there anywhere for you to go to be safe? And they're saying, I hope you stay safe and, <laughs> and uh, you know, take care of yourself and uh, my condolences and I'm sorry for your loss. And it's just all this stuff that's just so completely inadequate for, for the situation. You know, when you're talking to somebody who's facing a, uh, the, the, you know, who's under this kind of a carpet bombing, indiscriminate bombing campaign, you know, and then and then the the tendency, of course, to uh, for the whole Western media to immediately believe uh, the Israeli narrative uh, whenever there's one available to uh, latch onto, like, uh, oh, uh, this was an errant missile from Islamic Jihad, regardless of all the witnesses and uh, the uh, the the church that owns the building and and people who are familiar with the sounds of all these missiles and it's been recorded and you can hear this massive missile bearing down before it hits and and you know everybody saw this missile and and then you know the western media is like oh no these are palestinian sources we can't believe them we have to talk about israel's theory that it's a, you know meanwhile israel has just bombed 23 ambulances in the past week documented you know, they've already bombed several hospitals, several schools. They've bombed U.N. compounds. They've killed dozens of U- 11 U.N. employees in Gaza over the past nine days. Uh, and then, uh, but then, you know, the fact that they just killed 500 people in a hospital, that's that's a little too much. So he has to just uh, believe their propaganda about that, even though they're not even making any excuses about having blown up 23 ambulances. You know, and if they are asked about that, they'll say, oh, Hamas transports rockets in the ambulances. Although there are journalists on the ground documenting the actually severely wounded people in the ambulances getting taken in, taken out, etc. And of course, um, b- um, b- before we mo- move on to, to other things, uh, one one last thing I, I thought of regarding the uh, the gruesome missile strike, which is, you know, <clears throat> we will have to talk about what led to this, you know, which, you know, the, the every everybody mm-hmm. focuses and you know to a large degree rightly on Hamas's brutal attack which set this current round off but of course there's a much much deeper longer history to that which we'll get into but uh, as far as the you know all the satellites all the intelligence aimed in that area could uh, you you got to think could instantly determine who fired that rocket i mean yeah. it's it's a uh, it's just a uh, ridiculous! No, it's, ridiculous for Biden to come out and say that so immediately, so uh, without any any doubts. It, it just is striking. Anyway, so let's. Uh, I did want to uh, mention you've got three uh, uh, in fairly quick succession articles on your uh, Substack this week with David Rovix, which I did link to. I didn't link to all the pieces, but I um, mm-hmm. I linked to your Substack. It's David Rovix. 
www.substack.com. Um, first was a rising of the ghetto fighters, then Israel's 9-11 counting the ways, and most recently the genocidal ironies from which uh, you start out with a, a, a stanza from that neighborhood bully song. So just because we did start out with that song, um, I'd like to have your your, your uh, uh, explanation. Bob Dylan, you know, known for Masters of War and Only a Pawn in Their Game, um, Blowing in the Wind, just amazing classics that had so much power and influence on the counterculture, on the uh, civil rights movement, on the anti-war movement. Yet, here he was doing a, a full-blown pro-Israel song. What's up with that? Yeah, and, and I think that's, it's. I mean, obviously I wrote an article about it, so I think it's a really important uh, subject to to really explore. And I think the reason I wrote the article was, was um, uh, is, which I you know could have written years ago, but you know, didn't. But the... Um, I, I, there's always this uh, stuff you get from people uh, as soon as um, Israel commits a, a tr- an atrocity, um, which is uh, like um, th- this some kind of a line that goes like, um, l- look at those people who have uh, suffered so much from genocide themselves, uh, committing these atrocities to other people. Isn't that ironic? You know, and that's the, you know, the very short version of the, of the, you know, perspective that you'll get from a whole lot of people um, who who will uh, comment on this. And uh, the the underlying assumption there is that, um, you know, if you have been the victim, if or or if you're part of a nation or a people or re- religion or whatever that has been uh, terribly persecuted. Uh, you know, through things like genocide and, you know, centuries of pogroms and whatever, you know, any kind of horrible persecution, then um, then somehow, naturally, uh, members of this group uh, will turn into, uh, you know, sort of fighters against uh, oppression of all kinds and stand up against uh, all kinds of, you know, for, for the little guy and be against bullying, etc., uh, and, and this is just not a good assumption. I mean, it is, um, uh, it's not an accurate understanding of human psychology or of history. Uh, it, you know, I mean, people that are, that grow up, uh, being bullied, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, become, uh, lifelong, uh, anti-bullying, uh, activists and of some kind or another. Uh, but usually they don't. You know, and and this is the same for societies. Uh, societies uh, don't uh, just from the experience of being, you know, poor and oppressed and and ruled by feudal uh, lords and you know or authoritarians of some kind who who make all the decisions for them. You know, they don't come out of that situation and and then you know have democracy for the, for the first time or whatever, and then suddenly you know all of society is full of people that that want to uh fight against oppression and stand up for the little guy around the world uh altruistically you know this is just a fantasy and in reality doesn't go that way sadly you know it's a nice it's a very nice fantasy but that's not how actually reality goes and uh and i think that um there's a lot of very strong evidence for that you know i mean there's also a lot of um you know it's it's important to say that there's a lot of evidence for the for the minority of bullying victims uh, becoming lifelong, you know, uh, you know, anti-bullying activists, and this this does happen, and and I think as a result of that very phenomenon, um, or partially as a result of that phenomenon, uh, there is a disproportionate number of Jews. There are a disproportionate number of Jews on the left in the United States, in the United Kingdom, and in many other countries that have a large Jewish population. This is something you can easily observe. There's a lot of different explanations for that. It's not all about uh, the history of Jewish oppression, but uh, I'm sure it's partially about that. But what I have found in my travels in Israel, as well as growing up around New York, uh, among lots of Jews, including my relatives, uh, is that uh, not everybody, in fact, probably a very large uh, minority, if not a majority, of um, people who were impacted, Jews who were impacted by the history of Jewish oppression, 
they did not become uh, ecumenical, inclusive, uh, let's and let never again to, to anyone kind of activists as we, you know, as as we would like to imagine all Jews became after the Holocaust, the Nazi Holocaust. You know, a very large number of Jews uh, had a very different reaction, and um, my observation is that uh, there's a lot of people uh, in Israel today uh, who um, seem very familiar uh, to me in terms of their uh, support for. Uh, say, civil rights for black people in the United States, their opposition to the U.S. war in Vietnam, uh, you know, but for them, uh, when it comes to Israel, uh, it, the whole, uh, their politics are very different <laughs> than what you would expect for somebody who is in favor of, say, civil rights for black people or against the carpet bombing of Vietnam, you know. When it comes to Arabs, they have a very different orientation, and I think it's informed by um by a by the the mentality that represented in, in that Bob Dylan song that you know when it comes to our oppression uh, as Jews then we uh, you know we 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 say you know it doesn't matter what happens to the people that are that we are now considering our enemies uh, because you know it's it's about never again to us you know forget about anybody else um, and and this. Uh, and this is a very oversimplification, but this has led to this uh, this this ongoing cycle of violence. And me, it, it began it began with the settlement of uh, of Palestine by Jews with the Zionist movement in the 1890s. But it really it really let I me mean, like you could say it began with that in, in a way, but really it began with uh, the end of World War One and the defeat of the Ottoman Empire. Mm -hmm. Well, let's let's hold that historical thought. Looks like someone's calling. You'll have to hold on for just a second, because I I did want to ask you about your own uh, Jewish background. If you want to talk about that a little bit before even that, I do want to remind people we are coming up upon our last week of our fall membership drive 2023, and uh, boy, we're we're only about halfway to our goal of fifty five thousand dollars, and we only have about ten days left. So we need people to step up if you are able, really step up, because it's really important uh, that we keep KBOO going and have programs like this and Democracy Now! and the other talk shows and all the great music shows and other public affairs that come to you every day, 24 hours a day. And uh, we are KBOO, the Mighty Boo, independent for 55 years. And we depend on our listeners, our members. Become a member today by going to kboo.fm slash give. You can also text 44321 to text, I get that wrong all the time, text KBOO to 44321 on your mobile communications device. And we do have a one-to-one -one match up to $14,000 courtesy of a group of donors just like you if, if you step up and give well, $25, $50, $100 if you give it a, as a one-time, if, you uh, if you're able to do it, if you're able to give us a monthly donation, that really helps us keep our funding stable throughout the year. And we do have that one-to-one -one match, so every dollar you give is matched by another dollar, up to a total of $14,000. I'm not sure where we are with that, but probably not that close, so you are safe to give your matching donation today. Please do it and don't delay. Okay, so let's see. We've all of a sudden got a bunch of callers. Um, and so I guess so we'll just go to our callers and then uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, your own heritage. Um, you talked about how, you know, uh, different uh, Jewish people go in different directions. Uh, talk about why you went in your direction, perhaps. But let's go to Santiago right off the bat. Go ahead. You're on the air. Good morning. Um, I think that this is a very, I think this is a very kind of necessary perspective uh, on the on only for the fact that, like, because I know as a Chicano that you know as people who experience a lot of oppression and while we don't have we don't have um what do you call it like a you know a lot of self-determination or autonomy i know that that doesn't keep us from being bullies so 
I know that we can engage in our fair share, but I think the one I, you know, and I think that that's really important to know because, you know, we don't, uh, I think that's putting a lot, I mean, on the one hand, I think it's like trying to have everybody, I don't know, I think, I feel like it's like trying to have every, like everybody who is a part of something should also be against this. And I think, you know, asking that of every individual person is kind of, it's it's a little much, but I think on the other hand, you know, what a lot of people hear is, you know, a lot of what we hear in Western media is that this is a, uh, that this is a, um, this is like a two-sided conflict that there's, that there's equal, that there's equal share. But I think it's, it's important to remember that, you know, that, uh, um, that the only reason why Hamas or any other thing like that exists is because of how Israel has come to occupy Palestine. You know, we, uh, we need to, uh, you know, as, and as much as, you know, the, the killing on both sides is awful, but only one side has the power to end this unilaterally. And unfortunately they're backed by, uh, you know, by, you know, money, you know, multiple mil you know, multiple millionaires, money bags who are interested in, uh, keeping left, uh, left wing democratic movements from arising in the Middle East in, uh, any sort of manner and also you know christian zionists who you know which i don't think a lot of people really talk about is when you know christian zionists believing that if they can gather all of the jews into israel that that will usher the second coming of jesus and there's a lot of ministries who put money into that you know especially getting jews from uh, the former soviet union and stuff like that getting them all to to emigrate or repatriate them with the hopes of bringing Jesus back. Okay, let's um, oh. let's get let's get uh, David's perspectives. I, I appreciate. I, I'd like to get a, a a variety of voices and kind of keep the conversation going throughout the hour. And we also have uh, our membership drive. So thanks, Santiago. Appreciate David. Um, what's your take on that? Well, I think I think Santiago made a bunch of good points. Um, but I I think um, one one uh, I mean like like on the on the on the subject of whether people should be like for here concrete you know, talking about Jews and Israel like should Jews be all expected to uh, you know sort of like for moral reasons uh, uh, you know think one way or another I mean I think these the questions of it's they're complicated questions but the but the but when it comes to the question of uh, of Israel, I think it, there, there's no there's real clarity in terms of regardless of who you are. I mean, like I understand why uh, so many Jews um, have a, a a much less negative view of Israel than a lot a lot of other people do, um, and, and this is tied up in in all sorts of history as well as propaganda and fear and a lot of other things. But uh, just on a, regardless of whether you're Jewish or anything else, uh, from a from a just a basic sort of human standpoint, there is no question uh, here which people are occupied and which are the occupiers, and which you know which side is supported by the biggest military in the world, and and which side uh, has no army and no navy and no air force and no airport. You know, uh, no, and which side is living in a walled ghetto, uh, <laughs> and which side controls the walled ghetto? I mean, of these things, there's no question. And I also just want to also point out because this has been mentioned a couple times, and I know what we're, you know, you mentioned we'll get into it, but I think, um, you know, when it comes to you know violence on both sides, um, of course, uh, killing anybody is a horrible, horrible thing, and death is a terrible thing, and uh, civilian soldiers, children, whoever. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it has become very clear that the, uh, that the Israelis and others who are trying to present the narrative about what Hamas did in southern Israel, that these people are completely unreliable voices when it comes to the media and the authorities. I mean, there's been so much that's come out that's been so quickly and easily disproven, um, you know, there, there, there was absolutely no evidence of of these these allegations that Hamas was raping women. No evidence 
that they were intentionally killing children, no evidence. Um, th there is evidence, however, that Israeli uh, the military went in shooting just like the just like the, in the Attica uprising uh, in in upstate New York in, in 1970, whenever 70, whenever that was, you know, um, the the uh, when the police and, uh, and the military, the National Guard, went in, they went in shooting, and they killed 10 hostages along with what 29 prisoners or 19 prisoners. I can't remember the numbers. At 29 dead, and I think. 19 of them were, were prisoners, 10 of them were hostages. They didn't care who they were killing. They just wanted to get control of the prison. And I'm quite certain that the Israeli military went in uh, with the same orientation and the same orientation that they are now employing in Gaza, which is one that is clearly showing no concern for their hostages. So... Um, uh, 503-231-8187 is a number to call in. We already had uh, uh, Santiago, and we've got Robbie waiting in the wings here. Um, before we go to Robbie, just uh, well, let's just go to Robbie, and then and then we will talk about uh, you know how, how you got into Palestine solidarity and, and what it means to you. Uh, go ahead, Robbie. You're on the air. <laughs> yeah. Good morning. Uh, I, I had uh, just two things I wanted to bring up. I'm glad that the cracks are starting to appear and these fabricated lies that the IDF is, uh, you know, saying that being that IDF forces killed Israelis, uh, basically just mowing them down when they, on, on Saturday, um, you know, with eyewitnesses account of that. And then there was the, um, the, the rocket here, which they're saying, you know, they, I don't need to go into that, but I, I did want to bring up that it seems like the faction within Hamas, uh, there's this interesting, interview where a Hamas leader or some Hamas uh, official was saying that there was only a handful of Hamas uh, leaders that knew of the um, that knew of the uh, attack prior so it just seems like I, I believe it was actually the what I what I read and uh, it was actually the Hamas military that knew and the political leaders that didn't know many of whom were in places where they were heavily surveilled so if they did know um, it would be it, it would make the the attack difficult. Um, well, here's my problem with that. If I could bring it up, which is that the fact that um, we're being told that this was, you know, yeah, that, that's how they uh, got behind the uh, the Mossad's failure of intelligence, which ironically Mossad's motto was "Through deception we wage war." But um, I, I, to bring up this uh, the point about. Um, I mean, if there are 150 hostages, as the IDF is suggesting, and they're carpet bombing Gaza right now, uh, I think that that would suggest that they don't care about Israeli life because any casualty on the Israeli side is fuel to their fire. Which, ironically, some of the witness, some of the hostages who were interviewed said they were treated humanely by Hamas. But um, I, I wanted yeah. to bring up the, um, the the Zionism that you bring up, because that is something that I think is extremely important to this entire debate, that everybody just buries their head into the sand. But I've read the Talmud, I've read the Kabbalah, and as far as I can tell, God has forbid the state of Israel until the Second Coming, which is where Zionism came place, and they said, oh yeah, there was the second coming already, or there was the, the, the prophet who then allowed the creation of Israel. So the Zionists had said, so, that, so they, they are going so far off of what I believe many people and, you know, who support Israel, they don't even realize what these implications of the state of Israel are. And because we can't talk about it, I mean, 10 years ago, if I were to bring up Zionism, I would be labeled an anti-Semite, even though I'm pro-Palestinian and Palestinians are Semites. That's beyond the point. I think that's what's in, like the, the, the nerve there, that, that nerve is Zionism. And I think we really need to dissect that because it says under, you know, the Talmud that they should not have the state of Israel. Okay. So... Yeah, that, they're going against. I, I can I talk about that. Up. Yeah, I just. Thank yeah, thank you. We have a, we have another caller yeah. and probably more. I just want to keep this conversation moving because it's a really important conversation. I'd like to get as many voices in at five zero three two three one eight one eight seven. Go ahead, David. David Rovix is my guest, by the way. So I mean, um, I think the caller makes some really great points, but uh, the. Uh, 
and and also just like bringing up the whole question of like what is Zionism? Why does it exist? You know, uh, what what is this all about? And and um, certainly, so I mean, like if you anybody who's grown up uh, in a Jewish environment and uh, like going to temple occasionally, I was very not raised by religious parents, but um, you know. I've been to temple and stuff, and you know this. It depends on where you go and stuff, but you know the more sort of right wing one went to on occasion. Um, you know they're always singing about Israel. There's all of it. it's a big part of the whole. Uh, it's a big part of the whole thing to to talk about returning to Israel, but it's been um, sort of a religious notion for for a long time without any any kind of actual sort of movement to resettle Palestine thousands of years later. Um, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things to know about this whole concept of resettling Palestine because genetically the uh, you know, most of the original Jews from the, and were not... Uh, You're starting to break up occasionally. Maybe and, uh, change your location or oh, something. Yeah. I, I saw that and I stopped moving. Okay. I, I think it should be better now. <laughs> Go yeah. ahead. Uh, I've, been I've been pacing around, <laughs> which is how I think best, but now I'm staying in one place when I saw that. But um, the original um, the, the original Jews who, who, were, who, who were kicked out, uh, you know, most of them were not kicked out, and they stayed, and they became uh, today's Palestinian Muslims and Christians. So, I mean, just on a genetic basis, which is not, uh, I mean, I don't care about any of this stuff personally, because I don't think there is any good justification for stealing somebody else's land uh you know because the 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 uh the settlement of the united states and the the theft of land by the puritans and the puritans theocratic regime in the in, in the northeastern what is now the northeastern united states and and their um death sentences against uh, quakers indians and catholics you know i mean this kind of um theocratic mentality and and this kind of genocidal mentality and the mentality of stealing somebody else's land because it you know it, it belongs to you for for religious reasons i mean this kind of thing goes way back and has been practiced and it's not unique to judaism or to uh to zionism in in uh palestine it, it is a phenomenon uh that that is is a, is a sort of a human phenomenon where religion and uh, uh gets uh, religion and ethnicity and race and uh national nationality and various other things get used as uh, ways to legitimize uh, the theft of somebody else's land, or the, the pillage of somebody else's land, or whatever other horrible, you know, conquest type of thing. Um, but I think, in terms of like Zionism and why it exists, and uh, and and why Israel exists, and why you know this whole situation, I, it really I think has very little to do uh, with with uh, the. Um, the Zionist movement or the Jewish religion, and, and it has a lot to do with uh, the, the, the geopolitics of the uh, that, that followed the end of the First World War, and it has a lot to do with the U.S. and Canada and other countries not allowing Jewish and other Central, Eastern, and Southern European immigration between 1920 and 1944, and it also has a lot to do with the Nazi Holocaust because it was the Nazi Holocaust that was the first thing that really fueled the popularity of Zionism as a possible solution to the problem of the, the genocide of Jews in Europe. You know, Europe, Europeans, European Jews wanted to get out, uh, including my nanny, and uh, who was a German Jew. Um, but they uh, uh, wanted to come to New York, which is where my nanny went. And, um, you know, a lot of them went to Palestine or South America, and they did that in many cases because they had no alternative but to go to Palestine or South America because that's where they could get a visa. And this was all very intentional um, on the part of the Western powers as well as the Nazis. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, um, this, is, uh, this is an important conversation. Um, and uh, we we are doing it here on the KBOO Free Airwaves, 90.7 FM here in Portland. We've also got our translator in the gorge and down in Philomath Corvallis. And we are on KBOO.FM. And you can go to KBOO.FM and donate to our fall membership drive, 
which is what keeps conversations like this and so many others and so much good music and other good programming coming at you 24 7 365 days a year please go to kbo.fm slash give and consider and don't just consider it become a member now if you are able financially give us what you can and uh we use those dollars incredibly efficiently um to keep our equipment running to keep the lights on to keep our staff paid and so please do that now do that today and you can also text kboo to 44321 we just have a uh, 10 days left to reach our $55,000 goal so please do that now um we have uh Edie who has been so patiently waiting if you are still waiting Edie you can join the conversation right now thank you so much um I am so grateful for Dave Rovix being a compassionate, wise, thoughtful, good-humored, um, persuasive communicator of important ideas and feelings uh, for justice. Um, and thank you for your courage and being able to poke fun at our hypocrisy. You know, I'm a greater anarchist than you better anarchist than you. Thank you for your courage when you were um, deplatformed unfairly uh, from both sides. Thank you, Paul, for your courage and honesty and trying to do the right thing when the information was conflicting and you were put in a really hard space. Um, I'm going to be bringing $20 cash in an envelope down to KBU, um because um, Paul has David on the phone, and David, thank you so much for your your broader view and and um, perspective. I know that if many Americans have been victimized through incest, domestic violence, sexual assault, etc., and have not returned by not always being as brave and as heroic and good as you could be, but at least not being as bad. We we can't give that as an excuse to others, but understand PTSD and that the Israeli government yeah. is perpetually um, re-traumatizing its citizens with this nonstop um, that you are a victim, it's dangerous, just like we have the cops. Um, every uh, roll call, you know, it's dangerous out there. Uh, it's better to kill them than have them kill you, and they're the enemy, and that we got to get out of that us versus them um even if it's talking about different football teams we've got to get out of the us versus them i'm right you're wrong we need to see our commonality take accountability for our mistakes learn change the way we think and reach out constantly stretching our comfort zone so we become more and more comfortable when our conscience pricks and we do something bigger and better and braver so thank you, the two of you. And remember, everyone else, we need to give money to KBU. All right. Thank you, Edie. That was uh, wonderful. You. David. And that's a, a, a really like what Edie was saying, obviously, I mean, aside from just the phrase. <laughs> but um, the, uh, the point about incest and, and trauma is such a relevant one. And it's also a big part of the essay that I was... Uh, that you were mentioning that I have on Substack, but um, the, uh, the you know the, there's this saying uh, you know that we're all familiar with uh, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger, and and it's it's usually not true. It's my experience. It's usually not true. Whatever doesn't kill you uh, actually traumatizes you and messes you up and makes life much more difficult and makes it much more difficult for you to see. Uh, you know what's what's really going on, and 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 not see things through a, you know, the lens of of the traumatized, uh, which is often a very distorted way to understand uh, reality, and leads to all sorts of relationships on a personal level that involve all sorts of conflict that need not exist if everybody had a better understanding of how trauma has affected them. You know, and you know anybody who's been who's suffered personal trauma is familiar and, and has you know done some therapy and that kind of thing. You know, read about it, whatever. You know, they're familiar with this phenomenon. But this phenomenon is very applicable to Israel and the Palestinians. And it's very much um, like why the cycles of violence uh, 
you know, continue. And I mean, it's also extremely important to point out that, the, you know, cycles of violence are continuing primarily because the United States sends Israel billions of dollars of military aid every year, thus always favoring military solutions to a problem that does not have a military solution. And uh, so they're always, always uh, fueling the fire with this military aid and always tacitly or overtly giving aid to the far right of Israeli politics. And now we see, you know, what has become of that. Now we have a, a, an overtly fascist state where the leaders are talking about human animals and indiscriminately bombing hospitals, schools, UN compounds, civilian neighborhoods, and preventing them from having water. They have no water, not just clean water. They have no water other than salt water. People are drinking salt water in Gaza right now. But um, the uh, the trauma that has... Uh, the, the thing about the, you know, first of all, Israel being largely settled by people who either had nowhere else to go or uh, were people who were very much uh, in, in, in committed to the Zionist project of, of uh, you know, disenfranchisement of Palestinian land and, and you know, annexation and, and, you know, the whole thing. You know, those that were committed to this project are the ones who went to Israel voluntarily oftentimes instead of, you know, going to someplace like the U.S. or wherever else they might have been able to go to if they wanted to get out of Germany or wherever they were trying to flee from. You know, but the the so you already have a massively traumatized population of Jewish refugees becoming the settlers of this new you know uh, conquered land of Palestine. You already have this this phenomenon of refugees being settlers, and those settlers being traumatized refugees. You know, but then add to that the tr the ongoing trauma of actual conflict. You know, and you know like. The, the, you know re whether they're completely justified and carried out with the greatest uh you know moral principles of of uh guerrilla warfare or not i mean you know regardless uh, you know buses blowing up in in your city and uh you know missiles falling down and having to go to bomb shelters and whatever it may be absolutely nothing compared to what the Palestinians are going through every day, but it's still traumatizing, very traumatizing, you know, for the Israeli Jews. And, um, and so, th so it's just constantly re-traumatizing uh, this, this population on both sides, you know, with, with, with far worse re-traumatizing going on for the Palestinians, but still both sides constantly re-traumatizing each other. I also, I just wanted to mention, in reference to the caller before, Edie, you know, there's three... Uh, sects of Hasidim of the uh, Hasidic uh, Jew Jewry, which is a, a you know Orthodox Jews they call them. They originated in Eastern Europe in the 18th century, I think, and and now it's a um, it's now a very significant minority of the population of Israel and fast growing. And also lots of them in in New York and a lot of other places, London, lots of places. There's three sects, three three whatever you know schools of thought or whatever within Hasidic, and one of them is, as uh, the previous caller was talking about, is anti-Zionist. And they and that some of them live in Israel, and they're constantly protesting with the Palestinians against the Israeli government, and they uh, they believe that the, there shouldn't be a state of, of Israel until Jesus comes back. So they, you know, there, there is a one out of three, the three, and, and they're quite numerous. And, um, you know, you'll find them at, at pro-Palestinian protests in D.C., and, and you'll, you know, with their braids and hats and, you know, the whole, the whole get-up. Hmm. Okay, well, we have only about uh, 10 minutes left, a little, maybe a little more, uh, with David Rovix, a, a Jewish-Palestine solidarity activist and singer-songwriter. Um, we were going to try to get to your song, When the Bombs Fall Down, I believe it's called. We probably won't have time because we got two more callers all of a sudden, and we got lots still to talk about, including KBOO's membership drive, which I'll just mention oh so briefly. Just go to kboo.fm slash give and, uh, and uh, help us out reach our $55,000 goal um, based upon our 55 years of existence or text KBOO to 44321. Uh, let's go to Mark. You're next on the stack. Go ahead. You're on the air. Good morning. Uh, thank you both for your passion and your truth-telling. I just want to share a... a a humorous oh, quote from there's some uh, really horrible Kamara. noise there's really horrible noise associated with your yeah. phone uh, I, 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 I don't, we, I, we can't listen to that <laughs> sorry um, 
he said that... Well, let's just go to our next caller. I don't know what that was, but it was painful to listen to on my headphones. I don't know if everybody else... Um, sorry, Mark, maybe... the radio speaker? Maybe he needs to turn off the speaker? Yeah, oh, yeah. So we'll, we'll go back to Mark if you turn off your radio, maybe, possibly. But let's, let's first go to Mitch. Go ahead. You're on the air. Oh, I wanted to thank you for a good hour of serious discussion here. Um, but the one thing that, that's missing and the element that I think is missing from this deluge of, of overwhelming coverage in every media outlet about this one conflict, what's missing is any discussion of institutional or political corruption, which I think is the largest driver of both sides. And when I say both sides, I don't really mean both sides because I'm going to say something very dangerous here, given that I don't share the tenets or beliefs of Hamas, but they seem to be the one asymmetry of corruption. Uh, they uh, don't have the institutional uh, levels of corruption that apply to either the Israeli government or every surrounding government from the Middle East clear to Washington. Um, that, I think, is the major driver. And, and the more we speak about these high and mighty things about how we can all overcome trauma in our past and how we all want to build a more just society, the fact is that there is a symmetry, except for Hamas, of, um, uh, of, of political and institutional corruption that is not being treated, is not being addressed, and the compromise is is universal, except for Hamas, apparently. Uh, David? David, are you still with us? Oh, no. <laughs> we, we, uh, we do have a, a guest, uh, uh, and we have me in the studio, Paul Rowan, host of Wednesday Talk Radio, and uh, we lost our... Our, uh, our guest, David Rovix, temporarily. Well, thank you for hearing me out, uh, Paul. And, and the one thing that I, I try to point out to um, my fellow uh, uh, conditional Israel supporters and Jews uh, is that um, if you go back to, Jew to Israeli folklore from the uh, 1950s on, you will find that there is a great amount of braggadocio and folklore about an Israeli... Uh, uh, it started out as a non-military group, and then it was um, absorbed into the Israeli armed forces, but it was called the, the, the Unit 101. And if you go on to Wikipedia or look up the history on Unit 101, you will find that Jews in Israel, in Palestine, we're bragging about the very same exploits that Hamas is now uh, uh, demonstrating. Not bragging about, but demonstrating that they pulled off against the great national security exporters of, of the corrupt Israeli government. So it, it's, it's pretty interesting that, that uh, Jews somehow forget that they bragged about the same sort of stunts that uh, the Hamas uh, commandos used to get into Israel. Okay, maybe we've got David back. Are you are with us, David? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I I I, I was gone for about ten seconds. Um, okay, I, and then I, I got off with the Wi-Fi, and and that seemed to help. So, did you, did you were you able to hear much of what Mitch said? I heard a bunch of it. Yeah, and you're talking about political corruption, yeah. and that's uh, I mean particularly the point about political corruption, and that's like extremely important point, and absolutely. I mean, there's so many so many important uh, points to make about this situation that can't possibly be uh, covered in an hour. But yeah, absolutely. This this uh, government in Israel is, uh, is, is particularly the current government, but, you know, it's been, the corruption has been rife for a long time, but this government is, is, uh, is totally corrupt and totally uh, ideologically driven, completely right-wing, has no uh, capacity for um, sort of doing anything, like, uh, pragmatic. I mean, it, it suffers from um, not to let all the other Israeli administrations off the hook, but this particular, you know, particularly what we're, we've been seeing in the past, like, 15, 20 years in terms of the level of corruption under Netanyahu, it's really quite something. So, and and as, you know, he comments, I mean, in terms of, like, the is the, the collapse of the Israeli military in the face of this uh, Hamas assault out of Gaza is... Um, 
and one of many indications of that, um, because as has been mentioned by a lot of people in various media outlets, so, uh, um, there I, were loads of uh, loads of troops in the West Bank, uh, you know, sort of protecting settlers uh, who were attacking Palestinians and going on pogroms instead of uh, guarding the gates of Gaza. Right. There's uh, we, the details of all this are are. Uh, worth going into we can't don't have time to go much into more into them one thing that just struck me was would you say it's a, almost a truism that uh, massive infusions of const, constant massive infusions of, of military aid uh, tend to uh, f- facilitate and enable and uh, further corruption in governments big time big I mean, time big time yeah look at uh, look at what we did in Iraq and Afghanistan and the uh, uh, what was what was created there? The monsters that were created there, and uh, I don't know if you look at history. I'm I'm sure there's many books written about it, but uh, let's just go to one more caller, um, Lori, before we wrap it up. Go ahead, Lori. You're on the air. Hey, Paul and David. I just wanted to make a quick announcement. I received notice about there's a rally all out for Gaza, Portland, Stand with Palestine on Saturday at 3 p.m. 9-11 Northeast 11th. So that's a rally Saturday. Saturday. Oh, great. Support for, for Gaza, 3 o'clock, 9-11 Northeast 11th Avenue. And I'd also urge people to go to the uh, Jewish Voice for Peace website, and they have some mm. quick actions that people can take to call for a ceasefire and uh, stop the destruction of Gaza. Thank you for that, Lori. I, w- I want to add one quick thing. I, I yeah. called Wyden, both Wyden and Merkley's offices in D.C. I rarely do that to ask uh, m- minimally for a, a cessation to the call to, to evacuate uh, northern Gaza, but I should have added to stop the war on Gaza, stop the assault. Uh, Wyden is... Uh, 202-224-5244. You can get these easily. Um, Merkley is 202-224-3753. You know, it's a simple simple thing to do. It takes a couple minutes. So that's my two cents. Go ahead, David. Yeah, and, and just um, I'm so glad you called and, and mentioned that rally. I was I'm totally in, I'm intending on mentioning it and then completely forgot. But there's also a rally uh, tomorrow um, at 1 o'clock at 11th, same place, right? The offices, uh, outside the offices of Blumenauer and stuff, uh, Widen, I think, is there, on 11th, tomorrow at 1 p.m. There's okay. another rally as well. Tomorrow, Thursday. And, and, I, and I, I believe I will be there. Yes, Thursday, 1 p.m., 11th. Uh, I don't know if there's a website or anything for more information, but that's all you need, 1 p.m. tomorrow. Yeah, I would have added Blumenhauer's and, and others' numbers, but the dysfunctionality of the uh, U.S. Congress House of Representatives is uh, stunning at this present. But anyway, um, so that's uh, it for our callers. Sorry, we don't have any more time. Um, but uh, David, Jews for Peace, people should check that statement out. Jews for Peace wrote a wonderful statement, and I, it, I just want to just agree with the last caller. Check out Jews for Peace uh, website, and they'll have information about rallies and stuff like that. Okay, we didn't get to uh, talk more in detail about your own Jewish heritage, but that's fine. You did uh, mention uh, about your uh, grandmother, I believe, who escaped Nazi Germany. And my nanny. Your yeah. nanny. My, my, she, she is not biologically related, but oh. my, I'm also biologically half Jewish. <laughs> but, uh, I'm Jewish enough for Israeli citizenship or for the gas chambers, so, um, which, which, is the, which is Israel's definition of Jewishness. In fact, legally, it's called the mirror law. And uh, and that's very intentional. You know, anybody that was, uh, uh, um, you know, prone to being uh, sent to the gas chambers for being Jewish is Jewish enough for Israeli citizenship, which d- doesn't mean you need to have a Jewish mother. Just to clarify for anybody out there wondering, you know, this whole idea of Jewishness requiring your mother be Jewish is uh, not true when it comes to Israeli law and certainly not true when it came to Hitler's ideas of who were the Jews. Okay. Um, well, thank you so much, David Rovix. Uh, appreciate your being with us. We'll talk to you another thank you time. Very much. And uh, one Paul more, Rowling. yeah, thank you. One more pitch for our supporting this wonderful, wonderful fifty-five-year-old independent community radio media outlet, telling the truth as we see it, and uh, telling it to the powers that be that are just dominating the airwaves and not letting much get out about what's really happening in Gaza, and uh, anybody trying to speak the truth is now being visited by the FBI. 
Uh, their voices are being shut down. So we got to do what we can to oppose that. And you can support us by going to kbo.fm slash give or text KBOO to 44321. Please do it now. We've got a one-to-one match um, on right now. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye, everybody. Hear the drones above your head What were the last words that she said Before she joined the thousands dead As the bombs rained down See the fire in the sky Hear all of the children cry The tower falls from way up high As the bombs rain down See the dust rise everywhere Once it was a building there Then it crashed down from the air As the bombs rained down You're listening to KBOO Portland 90.7 FM The time is 8.59 a.m. You are tuned in to listener-supported community radio, KBOO Portland. From applicant tracking systems to chatbots to facial recognition, artificial intelligence is transforming our world for the better and also for the worse. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. starting November 2nd for The Imaginary Possible, a show that looks at the captivating potentials and the troubling realities of artificial intelligence today. Only on KBOO Community Radio, KBOO 90.7 FM in Portland. Brr, it's cold in here. I need a sweater, but one that expresses my values. I know, my limited KBOO Sound of Democracy crew neck. And you can find it at kboo.fm slash SOD shirt on the sidebar of the homepage. But there's so many colors. How will I pick? Gray? Red? 